0: Hello. A little loud. Um, all right, let me look at everybody in the face. Hello. Good morning. I'm in a weird place, guys. I feel like I could run through a brick wall right now, but then I also want to be really humble. So Megan, just her music just brought me a lot of peace. I feel like I can run through a brick wall like every day. So, um, what's up, Brian? All right, let me open up my notes. I have to have all these things in my hands. Quick, uh, quick testimony. Oh man, there's so much I want to share, but quick testimony about Little Italy. I don't know if anybody's ever heard this testimony. I don't know why I need a pen. <laughs> um, so, I feel I just got I need some space. Um, this was like probably two years ago, but I was I had to swing by SunTrust real quick downtown to pick up some money from the ATM, and uh, Little Italy's right there. And so I was like, ah, I'm going to get a piece of pizza, you know, like slice of pizza. I wasn't even that hungry, but it's like, you know, it's it's right there. So I walked in there, go into Little Italy, and I don't remember, I think there I did buy a piece of pizza for another dude, but I can't really remember. But when I walked into Little Italy, I'm doing my thing, getting my piece of pizza, and I a song came on over the restaurant, and it's, I think it's Van Halen, I'm not sure, but it's Running with the Devil, if anybody knows. And some of you might have heard this, I've maybe told you this before. So, Running with the Devil comes on, and immediately, I just told y'all, I feel like I could always run through a brick wall, so when I feel this stuff, I'm just like, dude, this is not right. And like, I've come too far in my life to be silent to the things of God and to the things that are coming against God. And so like, I don't think that it's, I don't think lightly of a song that says running with the devil. And then I see mindless people singing the song. And so I'm in the pizza joint, just trying to get a piece of pizza. The song comes on and the guy I'm buying my pizza from is singing the song. And I'm just like, I stop, I'm like, dude, what's your name? I can't remember his name. He told me, and I was like, my name's Greg. I was like, look, man, like, this song that you're singing, do you know what you're saying? And he didn't answer. And I was like, the devil is trying to kill you. He wants to strip you of everything good and make you nasty. And I was like, you're singing that you're running with him. And I was like, dude, that's the last guy you want to run with. And I was like, bro, you want to run with Jesus? I literally, I just got real with him. And I was like, you want to run with Jesus? Jesus is the one who's going to give you life. The devil's trying to take it from you. You want to be running with a guy giving life. And he was just like, I don't even remember what his, I mean, he's just wide-eyed, man. And so it wasn't like he just got on his face and started repenting, which is like, man, that's my dream of mine. But like, so anyway, just a quick testimony about little Italy. Um, All right, let me pray, let me pray. Lord, I just thank you and I just come before you and I just ask that you would speak through me, Jesus. Lord, that I would empty myself and that, God, that, that you would come with your truth, Lord, that you would open up every heart right now to receive truth, Lord. I just pray and I pray for divine protection right now, just a hedge of protection that we would god we would commune with you and that we would experience unity and i just ask for blessing to come right now through just just fellowship with you holy spirit so yeah i just i thank you and we just i give you praise and and you have all the honor you have you have the stage you have the microphone lord thank you that i am able to be in your hands in jesus name Um, So, really thankful Travis asked me to do this, so, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely nervous. I just want to say how thankful I am for Travis and Jessica, that I've been sitting under them for years, and, like, Travis leads from the front, and so, like, I've had a lot of opportunities to, like, experience faith and have my faith be a real thing, building a cross and walking on Lumpkin Street, like, eight years ago. There's a bunch of dudes. I don't know if any of y'all know about this, but we, there was like six of us. We built crosses and we walked them on Friday, Good Friday. Um, I went to Burning Man with Travis and like got to just like, it was a wacky, if anyone knows Burning Man, like it's a whack job of a place, but like we got to bring the gospel and it was rad, man. After like three days, I was like, I don't care about being undercover. I'm straight up telling them about Jesus, man. And so, I'm not telling them, like, the Father of Lights or these weird names. Like, n- not weird names, but names that aren't actually Jesus. Um, but anyway, like, I've had so many opportunities in, like, Travis's. It's because he leads from the front, man. And he prompts me and invites me to do these things with him. And so I'm super thankful for his leadership. Um, I just put this slide up here. There's really, it's a cool, it's, it's the Ark of the Covenant coming back. Uh, Gustavo Doré really awesome painter that like I just it's cool but you can go I can go to the next slide okay yeah sure Um, (sighs) can you all see that so King Jesus back against the wall don't look at John 2019 yet I know you guys don't have that memorized I'd be really surprised anybody know John 2019 okay um, that's an idiom back against the wall. An idiom is, um, what is an idiom? It's, uh, it's like something that speaks of something, but it's not really what it speaks about, like, piece of cake. Like, if I did a pull-up, it'd be a piece of cake, like, not really, like, that's an idiom. It's not really a piece of cake. So, back against the wall. Jesus has his back against the wall. Um, and that's how he lived, like there's no escape. There's no retreating. He constantly had his back against the wall. And he calls us to live like him. Next slide, please. I gotta get some water. Still Okay. Oh, that's small. Um, all right, so here's just a couple examples. Matthew 4, 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. So these are just a couple examples of his back against the wall. Here he is. He just fasted. Now the devil's tempting him, luring him, baiting him, telling him things that are totally not true. The devil doesn't have a kingdom. It's going down, but he's giving him this hey, here's the bait, and Jesus doesn't take it. Matthew twenty two fifteen. 15, then the Pharisees went and plotted how to tangle him in his words. Y'all know this. So right after, they, like, they're like, all right, how do we get him? They, say, oh, they come up to him. They say, oh, Rabbi, we know that you speak truth and that you are a respecter of no man. It says this. Well, then what do we do with taxes and paying Caesar? Y'all know the story. And then what does Jesus say? He says, somebody bring me a coin. Gets a coin. Whose inscription is on this? And whose likeness is on this? That's what my Bible says, the ESV. They're trying to trick him. Man, putting his back against the wall, always. But I love Jesus' response. So he says that. And I've asked myself before, after reading that, like, all right, if that money has Caesar's inscription on it. And Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. I'm like, well, what is God? What do I have that is yours? If money, you know, if if that is, like, what do I have? And what did Jesus say? He said, whose inscription is on this? Whose likeness is on this coin? Whose likeness do I stand in? I'm made in the image of God. Clint, you're made in the image of God. We are all made in the image of God. He, we bear his likeness. Whose inscription? What's the inscription? What is written on me? Ezekiel 3.11 says, God placed eternity in every man's heart. And that's, no man is without excuse for asking what happens next. You should be asking that. So that's part of the inscription. And then, thank you, the Lord has given me a new heart and is written even more now. Hebrews 10, is it 10? I don't know. Hebrews 10, 16. I did write the note. Hebrews ten sixteen. This is the covenant that I will make with them. Hold on. 15 says, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. What's the inscription on us? That God will not remember our transgressions anymore and that he puts the laws in us, like the good laws, the new covenant laws. Not to say that the old covenant's bad. I love the old covenant. Go read it. It's I mean, you guys, know, like, there's really good laws in there. Don't be afraid when you go to battle against your enemy. Men, don't wear women's clothes. Like, treat your parents with honor. These are good, these are good things, but he has put a new law in our hearts. This is the inscription. So when Jesus holds up that coin, I also want him to hold up me and says, Give to God what is God's. And, and it's like, well, what, well what, what do I have to give you, Lord? Another testimony. This was like back in the fall, I work at the university, and I've got, like, a bunch of student workers that it's just, like, this revolving door. Like, someone work for three months, and then they're gone. Someone work for, like, a year and a half, and then they're gone. So, it's just constantly new students, which I love. Like, I don't mind. Like, yeah, come on, man. Like, so I had this one young dude, Drew, and I knew it when I hired him. I was like, Lord, you're gonna do something awesome. I knew it. I don't know if you call that the gift of faith, or if that's just, like, Believing right, but I was like, "Lord, you're gonna do something awesome." And finally, I was like, "All right, man. If not now, then when?" Like, I gotta, I like, I felt like his time was getting short under my like supervision. Is like, I, I gotta bring it to him. So I had a really cool opportunity, and I talked to Drew, and I was like asking him some pretty deep questions. But I was talking about stuff like, um, I was like, "Dude, you know it's pretty pretty amazing that." out of seven billion people in the world, every one of us has a different voice. That kind of trips me out. How is there that many sounds? It's like, how is that, every one of us has a different sounding voice. So we were just, you know, I was like, just stirring them up, man. And then we were talking, and I was talking to him about the Lord. It opened up a door, a really good conversation. He was asking me all kinds of questions. He even asked me about sin, And I finally said to him, he was leaving, and I was like, Lord, I got to, like, I need, and then he was asking me questions where I was like, some of them I don't have great answers for. And so I was like, at one point, I remember I had my back to him, I was like, Holy Spirit, you got to give me, you got to give, I was like, you got to, like, help me out right now. This dude's asking me some great questions. And he did. And so Drew was leaving, and I felt just the, I could feel, like, the burn of the Holy Spirit. And, I, and he was walking out. I said, hey, Drew. I said, dude, you have something that God wants. He wants it back. You have it. I didn't even know what, I was, I just looked, I just said that to him. And I said, do you know what that is? And I didn't even know the answer to that question. And he literally stopped, I, y'all, I'm not making stuff up. Like, he stopped and he just goes, everything. And then, went, and then that was the end of his shift. All that to say is what God, like everything. Give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's, everything. And I'm like, yeah, who else am I going to give my life to that's actually going to do something good with it, that actually wants it as bad as God? No one wants it that bad. I mean, nobody wants me and my voice and my thoughts and my praise that bad. And this is another thing, too. God just gave me this revelation during Megan's worship. I'm so thankful for Megan's worship. So many things I, I feel like in her songs are relating to what I'm going to share. But one thing, and I don't even know what the right timing is to put this in this message, but right now is probably it. What the devil's trying to take is valuable. What did he try to take? And the devil took him. What, he, was, he said, if you worship me, I'll give you these kingdoms. What does that mean? The devil overplayed his hand. I know y'all have heard that. What does it mean when you overplay your hand? You see it. What did he overplay? You want Jesus' worship, man. What does that mean? Worship is valuable and you know it. I'm not afraid of the devil. None of us should be or have to be. Jesus conquered him the heel crushed his head. But I will expose him. And those are the things that he does that's like, hey man, if you want that, that means it's valuable. There's something in that, in your twistedness and in your deception. Number, whatever number, Matthew 26, 51. I'm just sharing some things about Jesus being back, his back against the wall. Um, and there's a reason why I'm sharing these things. So, Matthew 26 51 when he was in the garden friend do what you have done do what you came to do to me that's when Judas and the gang with their pitchforks and torches came up to Jesus and they said which one of you is Jesus friend come on it's not about them it's about me do it do what you want to do and Peter takes out a sword and cuts off, for some reason this whole time I thought it was a Roman soldier's ear. It's not a Roman, it's some dude's ear. It's like a guy who is a um, servant or security guard of like some Sadducee or Pharisee. It actually doesn't say anything about a Roman, and so I I don't know where, check me on that. But Peter cuts off a guy's ear, and what does Jesus say? He says, hey man, put your sword away. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And then he puts the ear back on the guy. When I was 24 years old, I just got out of the army. I did a combat tour in Baghdad and slept with a gun literally on my cot every night. So I was very familiar with living by the sword. And I saw what living by the sword does. It creates bad apples. There's collateral damage when you live by the sword. And so when I read this at 24 with no context, no real foundation, that moved me so hard. I was like, dude, this is the guy. This is, this is the leader I'm, I've been hungry for. He puts the, like, you get Peter's response, but then you see his response. You're like, what? So when I'm 24 and I read this, I'm like, it it wrecked. It, it still has a hold of my heart. And this is what I love. Jesus will not let go. I don't care how many people fall away, Jesus will not let go. And like he, he still grips me with that story. I was just that response. And then I love what he says. He who lives by the sword dies by the sword. What, you, you guys know in 2 Corinthians, when it says we do not have weapons of the carnal but we have weapons that are spiritual and break down the strongholds. That's the weapon that we get to have. But when I see Jesus saying, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword, I also see he who lives by love dies by love. Like the other side of that sword. Like I'm not trying to kill anybody. I want to love people, man. And, like, that's what I love about Jesus. Like, he's the ultimate, his battle strategy is, like, no, I'm not going to kill my enemies. Enemies being people that are against him, that hate him. I was, like, like-minded. I was a son of Satan. But, like, no, I don't want them to die. I want them to actually be my family. And, like, so these responses. So Luke, his back's against the wall, but he says, come on, take me. Luke 23:9. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. This is Pilate, and this is Herod. And this is uh, whatever that Pharisee's name was. You guys know his name that questioned him? Caiaphas. So he's going through this, I mean, multiple stages of being questioned and interrogated, and he, he says, so he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. I also remember when I was young, and I'm still young, but when I didn't know anything, I didn't know any background, I didn't know any Old Testament, I didn't know any prophecy, I knew very little, and I read the Gospels, and so much went over my head, but so much was striking to me. When I read that, I'm like, why didn't he say anything, man? Like, if someone's going to come at me with I'm going to be like, heck no, dude, I did not do that. So I'm like, why did, well, I didn't know about this? Isaiah 53, 7 like a sheep he will be led to the slaughter silent so he's fulfilling prophecy i actually want to read that because it's really it's really good 53 7 he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent so he opened not his mouth So yeah, he's fulfilling prophecy. So it's like when you start to have understanding, it's like, wow, man, you start to worship the Lord more. More understanding equals more worship. Here's another thing. You wanna know a good way to, I'm telling you right now, don't think that I'm up here perfect, that I had to battle a lot of lies just to get up here, just to work, just to sit down. Write, and read, study, open my heart, fast, pray. So I'm not like this perfect guy. You want to know a good way to fight lies? Quit thinking about yourself. Just quit thinking about Because so many lies are about you and your personality and your person. Well, if you quit thinking, I'm not saying that's the only way. I'm just saying that is a good way. If you want to fight lies, just quit thinking about yourself. So Luke 23, 9, I already, no, yes, Luke 23, 39. So this is also another part of Jesus' story that really still, like, holds me. It, like, cradles my faith, man. It's like this, the truth is like this nest, and I'm in it. And I'm being, like, incubated and, like, just, like, favored by the Lord, by this truth. And this is one of, the, is one of these truths. You've got two guys on the, cro- on the cross, and this guy says, he's mocking him, he says, are you not the Christ man? Get yourself down and get us down. That messed me up, and it still messes me up. If Jesus listened to that guy, we have no hope. If he got himself down, where do we go? his man he's constantly they put him against the wall they pit him the vipers the brood of like just constantly around him trying to to just get him to, to stumble but he never did that's what I love about Jesus that's so why I'm like this is my king man you can't get him you can't get him that's what I love about him Yeah, you know, one more. When he was questioned, what would he do if he did defend himself? You know, like, they're just going to find another way to get him back in front of the, like, who like they're, they're going to kill him one way or another, man. Like, even if he did defend himself. Well, then he'll be released, he'll continue the mission, and then some other way, somehow, he will be before Herod and Pilate doing the same thing. It's my thought. It's not biblical, but um, so when your back's against the wall, John twenty nineteen. After the crucifixion, after the resurrection, visiting the disciples, visiting the brethren, they have the doors locked they're meeting together i can't even imagine what they're discussing who shows up jesus 2019 john 2019 he's in the room the doors are locked he's in the room back against the wall he goes through the wall he goes through walls jesus goes through walls so it's the idiom but it's not the truth But what I love about the Lord is, and this is how I wanna be with all of us, man, when his back was against the wall, those were the times that spoke to my heart the most in his response when his back was against the wall, how he responded, how he moved, how he acted. And when he grabbed my attention, he could then speak to my heart. And he did, and he still does. And he still gets my attention. So do the same. When your back's against the wall, If you feel that way. Dude, think about Jesus, man. and grab someone's attention by the way you respond. Doesn't he say, like, he who is in me is, what does he say? He who is in us. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So, like, that's, it's not a farce to, respond with power when your back is against. He says, he who is in in me is greater than he who is in the world. Next slide, please. It's my favorite. Jesus isn't going away. If he did, where do I go? If Jesus goes away, where do I turn? Who do I look to? But he's not going away. That is what is so beautiful about Jesus. He's not going away. I'll never leave you or forsake you. He bears witness all day long. The gospel increases throughout the world every day. Oh my gosh, man. When I think about that, sometimes it's just like, I'm just like, Yo, I'm not seeing the gospel move right now, right here in my house, like, but man, it's good, like, I'm just, I think about that. Dude, the Lord says that it's true, and so he's not going away. The government's upon his shoulders. His kingdom is increasing. He's not going away. Oh my gosh, if, if he goes away, who do I get to worship? So I had a conversation. I was at a wedding last weekend and um I got to sit down with the brother of the bride. Met him a couple times and I know a little bit of their history, their family history, they grew up Catholic. But I could tell that this young individual was not following the Lord. And so I'm sitting there at dinner table, we're eating, you know, after the this is like during the reception and I say Nick Nick What do you think about God, man? Just straight up. I have one hour with this dude. I don't, I'm like, that's the thing, man. I haven't, I don't have all day with everybody. I have these moments and I'm like, Lord, get a hold of me, seize me. That's the thing. Like, I've also heard really bad teaching. Oh, the Lord, the Lord won't use me. That's only Satan uses things. Like, no, man, that is the most backwards ideology I've ever heard. Yes, I am a vessel. I did not make myself. The Lord does what he wants with me. Yes, he can use me. Fill me up right now, Lord. Let me be a vessel for you. What else am I supposed to be full of? So yes, Lord, use me. So all, I don't have a lot of time every time. So I'm like, dude, I just, I'm just whatever. Nick, what do you think about God, man? And he goes on and he shares it's a very casual response there are many ways to spirituality krishna buddha he's dropping all these idols names and i'm like that's what the heart is you know what the heart is when you're not baptized by the holy spirit when you are not moved by jesus when you're not humble and you don't have a heart of flesh you know what the heart is it's an idol factory Spitting out idols all day long. That's why I need it circumcised. I love that. Before they took, what was it? Jericho? Or it was another city. I, there, before they took the city, Jesus, the Lord had them, not. the Lord had the Israelites get circumcised before they took a lot of ground into the promised land. You know what kind of day that was like? The heart needs that. Otherwise, it's an idle factory. And I'm not... This is the power of God to change the... The thing I can't see in you, Elliot, is the thing that God can see and move and touch and and make totally different. I can only see outward appearances. And then also, 2 Corinthians says, don't regard men according to their flesh. Lord, give me eyes to see. Give me your eyes to see, Lord, Nick's going on, and as I was writing my notes, I wrote, I wrote this. My heart burned with indignation. I don't even know what indignation meant. I had to look it up, but it meant exactly what I was feeling. Indignation means anger towards things that are not right. So I'm, Nick is, and I'm just like, again, it's, I'm learning, and I'm going to touch on something that, I'm not totally sanctified in. But my heart burned with indignation. And I finally, I'm like, you know, clawing in my mind for responses and things to say. And I'm just like, finally, I'm kind of don't want to, I'm not here to argue. And I'm not here to just point out the differences between 50 different religions and Christianity. Like, I don't want to talk about all these other things that are not real. I want to talk about what is real. So instead of looking for the differences, I just was like, you know what? You're freaking out. I was like, that was, that was amateur. But I was like, you know what? What's indifferent is your heart. I didn't tell Nick that, but I said this. I said, dude, unt-, and I just stopped him. And I said, dude, until you need forgiveness you're not going to find God. And then I said one more thing, which I didn't even really know. I was like, until you need forgiveness, you won't be a danger to the world. I said that to him. I don't know if he wants to be a danger to the world, but I said that to him. And uh, when we left, Nick came up to me and he hugged me for, I'm not joking, like 25 seconds. And when it, I'm a pretty long hugger, he outlasted me. Which is not, I would probably say that's the first time in my entire life someone's outlasted my hug. Um, so Jesus isn't going away. Who would I look to? Who would we look to? Matthew 11, 28. Come, all who are weary and burdened. Come to me. Who else says that? Does Krishna, Buddha, you know, who else says come to me? The one who says come to me is the one who's not going away. and he will give us rest. It also says in Isaiah, all the ends of the earth, look, all the ends of the earth and be saved. If any of you knows a little bit about Charles Spurgeon, that's part of his testimony. It was that easy. He said he didn't even have to look lift a finger. He just had to look to Jesus. Look, all the ends of the earth and be saved. If he was going away, who would we look to? He's not going away. You know why I also know why God wants to be seen? Because Jesus was crucified naked in broad daylight for the world to see. I know God wants to be seen. I know he wants to be seen. And when man seeks forgiveness, praise the Lord, man, that's when he finds it. I know God honors that. What brings that about is his grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who convicts of sin? Not you, Phil, not me. The Holy Spirit convicts sin. And when man starts looking for forgiveness, he is going to find it. That is the grace of God. That's right now the mercy that's over the earth, the welcoming that says, "Come, all who are weary and heavy burden." Why are you weary and he- why are we weary and heavy burden before we come to Jesus? Because it's this. It is all that guilt, man. It is the things that we need to say, "Forgive me." I always tell people, everything I, everything possible against the Lord, I was guilty of. Who am I going to go to? I can't go to my mom. Mom, can you free, will you forgive me? That forgiveness is not satisfying enough for a man desperate to be free. What makes a man free? The only thing I've ever heard that makes a man free is truth. Truth will set a man free. I've never heard anybody else say anything else is gonna set a man free, other than truth. That's the only thing. Not money, not power, not fame. Truth sets a man free. Who is truth? Jesus is truth. Pontius was looking right in the face of truth when he said, what is truth? So I want to touch on something personal. Because I'm not up here, man, trying to be anybody but me. So, Jesus on a cross. There's, There's two things I want to touch on right now. One thing is, this is personal to me. I have wept deeply before the Lord and trembled because of the sin of man and I'm not just talking about my own I'm talking about the work the things that grieve him grieve me and I have wept before the Lord D- deeply where I feel that the grief of God to make creation yet creation be so evil that's his creation and it So I have a deep sorrow for sin, but I read this, Matthew Henry said this. I'll read it. It says, sorrow for sin is weighty, but I cannot let it be too great as it would make me unfit for duty and drive me to despair. Again, this is personal to me. I can't let that weightiness and my sorrow for sin drive me to despair and make me unfit for duty. Well, Greg, what is the duty you're talking about? That should be a question you should be asking yourself right now. Think, Am I, if anyone is tired, please tell me. I want, like, what is the duty? Being the aroma of Christ all day. I mean, the f- let incense arise. That's not, I don't want to sing that about Brittany's incense or the Bible's incense that is just, I want the, me to be the fragrance, my duty just to serve him, to like be obedient, to listen to him, to not be distracted, to give myself to him. What is he, what's the inscription and what is the likeness? everything there's really no better way than following Jesus either but so I have this deep sorrow like I have been harsh on people because of my sorrow for sin and like in a way where I've pushed them away from God and so I'm learning and I want to grow in maturity on how to not do that to yet still have sensitivity and a burden and a fire for Things that are detestable, but also able to like not just crush a man. I want to be like gentle also. And I'm not saying I want to be permissible to things. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm learning. Like there's a there's a brother in our body that I was real hard on. And I'm thankful that he has forgiven me. I'm thankful. Who do you think has forgiven me most in my life other than Jesus? There you go, Matt. My wife. Isn't that something? My wife, the one who's forgiven me most other than Jesus is the one I'm closest to. Jesus takes forgiveness, he doesn't take it lightly. That's the power of unity in our body, man, when you can forgive people. And he takes it. It's not a light thing. Like, forgiveness is good. You don't forgive them. How's my father going to forgive you? Right? I'll give you a quick testimony about that, too. So when I first came to the Lord, I had moved to Athens literally, like, two months before, like, everything changed inside of me. And I was like a true, like just born again, new life. I put the old Greg down, new, guy, new man is living. And I came across that and I sat in my bedroom in Pineview in Athens. I was a junior at UGA and I got, I think it might've been the first time I had ever read it, maybe the second time. But this time it like, I actually like noticed it. It, it had my attention. And I go through my mind, I'm like, who have I not forgiven, dude? Cause if I don't forgive, man, the Lord's c- coming. Right? Like I'm like so I'm going through like all like who have I not forgiven? I'm like scanning names in my head. Boom, one name literally just—it's like the highlighter went across his name, and it was my mom's ex-fiance, who was a drunkard, who held a pistol up to scare people, and I'm like, dude, I don't. Know. I, I didn't hate him, but I was like, I don't think he's forgiven, man. That was the only guy I could think of in my life. And so I'm like, I also knew his phone number. I had his phone number memorized by heart. No, I got, you know how you get a new phone every two years? Man, this was like years ago. No, I didn't have his number in my phone. Why would I want to call Jeff? But I was like, I got to call him. Right then and there, not tarrying again. How many moments do I have to be obedient? So I, call, I dial him up. He answers. I'm like, Jeff, hey, man. And he was like, hey. We, I didn't spoke to him in four years, five years, probably four years at the at the time. And we were kind of close. I went to Canada with him and skied in the Great Divide or whatever that place is. What is that? Inter- intercontinental Divide? And anyway. So I was I was close with him at, some, at one point, and I said, hey, uh. I'm calling you for one reason. I didn't want to jib-jab. I said, I'm calling you for one reason. I said, I just read this, and I read it to him. I said, man, it, it says, I'm reading it right here. I just read it. If I don't forgive people, God won't forgive me. And I said, you're the one guy who I don't think I've forgiven. And I was like, I want to tell you right now, whatever you did, it's, it's done. I said, if you ever think about me, don't you think that I know anything that you did wrong against me? I said, anytime you think about me from here on out in your life, your record's clean with me, man. Don't hold me holding you. That's what I told him. And he said on the other side of the phone, he said, you know, this has probably been one of the worst days of my life. And I'm really glad to hear it. And then we got off the phone. Forgiveness. I'm so thankful. Forgiveness is like, that's like the tool of unity. Because we're all needing forgiveness, and I haven't even written my notes. These are my notes um yeah, so I can be rigid at times, and i I want y'all to help me not be so rigid sometimes if you see that. Brittany does um. And you know, it takes a lot of patience for forgiveness, right? You gotta kinda be patient with yourself, with people. Forgive them. They might mess up again. You gotta forgive them again. Isn't there something else about forgiving them a bunch of times? Like 70 times 7? Seven, some like crazy number? I wanna debunk something. That whole pray for patience joke is not funny. Like, you've heard it. Hey man, get ready, if you're gonna pray for patience, what's gonna come to you? Has anybody heard that joke? That's really not a joke. What that is is false teaching. Crush the false teaching in your life. The only way I know how to do that is with the right teaching. Crush the false teaching. Love is patient. What are you without love? A clinging symbol. So don't ask for patience. That would mean you're not asking for love. Like, so le- just get rid of that. Throw that, crumple that over your shoulder, and toss it out the window into the basket. False teachings. Every one of us is a shepherd of our own hearts with the Lord. Sometimes I have a vision, Jesus with a staff, and I just, I just grab his staff with him like, Like, come on, like, shepherd my heart, Lord. Put your staff in front of me. So shepherd your own heart with him. Don't let a bunch of other men shepherd yourself. Same with the Proverbs, which, how many friends can you really have? What is the Proverbs? Like, few friends? How many shepherds can you have? I know that's not in Proverbs. Shepherd yourself with the Lord. He has given us everything for righteousness and godliness in Christ Jesus. and He will interpret the word for us. It's all here. We have the provision of the Lord. Are y'all sleepy? All right, because Elliot's got a pretty straight face, but that's pretty normal. Um, can we go to the next slide? 11:30. all right let me let me try to wrap this up because i don't need to be here all day um i just threw this up here second corinthians 4 7 we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair that's the part that i wanted to share as i kind of shared like i'm perplexed about sin man but i do not want to be despaired and be driven to despair and that's what, I mean, man, it's right here in the Bible. You can be perplexed. Here's another one. Psalm 131. I love Psalm 131. It's about this big. It's literally like five sentences. And one of it says is, it says, uh, I do not think about things that are great and too, too great and too lofty for me. Y'all know that? Psalm 131. I think I wrote it down. I didn't write it down. It's there. I can't think about things that are too great and too lofty for me. That's part of the shepherding part. Bitcoin, that's pretty great and lofty. Cryptocurrency, um, there's another example I had. that I'm just like, man, this is too much for me to handle. But that's so much of the world right now. It's too much, man. And what I love, it says, I don't... I'm just going to go to it instead of trying to, like, remember it. Psalm 131. I do not... Oh, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. What I do occupy myself with is the thing that is the greatest and the most marvelous thing, and that is Jesus himself. And I love that. It, like, it's like... uh, It's like graduating. Here's great and too marvelous. I can't think about those things. But then you have like Christ who I can think about those things. And then everything else makes sense when I think about Jesus. He's the only thing that really makes sense to me. Why does he make sense to me? Because it was God in man's form. Why does it make sense to me? Because I am a man. I can only get so close with my cat. I mean, we can only get so... It's a cat, man. At the end of the day, it's a cat like Don't kick the cat, but it's a cat. I don't know why I did this. Like, I'm going to kick my cat. I don't want to kick my cat. But I, I relate. I can relate to Jesus. That's what I love about the Lord. He came not as a cat, not as something, not as an enigma. He came as a man. As a man. Led the way. Showed us the way how good is that we have an, a living example breathing example loving example next slide please there's the aroma part Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of them everywhere. Through us, the fragrance. Through you, the fragrance. Through us, the fragrance. Get a whiff, right? I mean, come on, man, like, Lord, yeah, let the people get a whiff. When you respond, when your back's against the wall, when you feel just bummed out or like stuff's coming against you, Jesus walks through walls. Hope abounds. Christ in you, the life once lived is now crucified. Be the fragrance. What what is the fragrance of a flower? It smells good. I don't even know what's causing that. Is it the flower petal? Is it the pollen? Like, I don't even know what's... But I know I smell it, and it's something something's good. Something good is happening when you smell a flower. Something good in the flower is happening. That's the fragrance. That's the aroma. When you cook a steak, something good is happening. That's why you the aroma of the something good, man. Something good. Let the Lord be good to you. That's the only, I mean, just open up, man. Like be the fragrance. He's good. Get a whiff. One more slide. Oh, never mind. Christianity is not a crutch. It's the cross. Can you go back? So, I threw this up here. This might have been premature. I don't even know how to unpack this fully, but it's, Christianity is not a crutch. And I think what I'm, my heart meant by that is Christianity is not something to identify with. Well, what do you mean, Greg? Christ is our identity. To identify with. You're a professional soccer player. How many times have you heard people that are on real high platforms say, yeah, but it's not my identity. That's what I do, but it's not who I am, right? Christianity is not to be abused like that. Like, yeah, man, I just hang out in these circles, and I just listen to a certain music to identify with Christianity. It's Jesus following him and being obedient, no matter what the cost. It's not a crutch to walk around with and say, man, I'm like one of the few in the world." There's few believing. That's not what Christianity is. It's not a crutch. I think that's what my heart meant. It's not for us to just say, yeah, man, like, look, at, I need help. It's the power of God in us to set captives free, to be ambassadors. To be overjoyed by really the truth, on the cross didn't just expose sin; it exposed my value. You know, when you were a kid, you probably saw Mel Gibson's Jesus, and you're like, "Dude, that, I'm Jack. That is so hardcore. That is good to experience. That, but there's a maturity too that says, "Oh my gosh, I'm that valuable. What? I can't imagine Jesus on the cross saying, You scumbags, I hope you appreciate this. No. No way, man. When I see Jesus on the cross and I've gotten a glimpse of it, I see this smile. I know he's in agony, but I see this smile because I know he, kn- he knew what he was doing. I know it was painful. You know how the truth sets us free. I think in those moments, some of those moments on the cross, what set him free? Maybe he had some reprieve from the agony. I don't know if he did, but is the truth set him free? The truth of what he was doing for mankind, for his, for his father, for the kingdom, set him. I maybe gave him some momentary rest of remembering what he was doing there. So I, it, if you question love, if you question his love for you, you can look at the cross. Man, it's very clear. And if you still need some more, go to John 15. That conversation about how much he loves, the Father loves him, and he loves us, and he's not going to lose anyone. If you question his love for you, go, go to John 15. Be reminded. Um. last or next slide yeah so Psalm 131 I kind of touched on that but man it's pretty simple like I can't occupy myself with things that are that high and that lofty that are swirling around but I can't occupy myself with like how awesome God is and like just man I want to see people come to him be resurrected from their death, be reconciled. So Psalm 32, blessed is the man whose transgressions are not accounted against him. That's that's freedom. God, I want to have freedom so I can run and not grow weary. One last story. I heard of a guy, Todd Smith, who's like leading the North Georgia Revival at Christ Fellowship in Dawsonville, I heard a really rad testimony from him the other day. So anybody know Charles Stanley? I love that man. On the radio, when, I, when I'm scanning through the FM and it's a bunch of garbage and then Charles Stanley's voice, I'm like, come on, dude. He's awesome. So Charles Stanley, old man, he's 88 right now. Todd Smith, this guy that's a pastoring this church that's like seeing awesome things from the Lord— has lunch with Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley's 88. Todd is sharing just wonderful things with Charles. And some of it was about the gift of tongues. And Charles Stanley, and I heard this straight from Todd. This is not something I read. Like, I heard it out of Todd's mouth. Charles Stanley at lunch, after lunch said, Todd, can you drive home with me and lay your hands on me and pray for the gift of tongues? 88 and still hungry for the Lord. That registers in me. Looking at Dave registers in me. I want to be strong in the Lord. And what I love about strength, too, I also was thinking, so I've been deeply crying out the last couple weeks, which is, I don't know why, but I've been crying out for humility. I really want to be humble. I don't want to be prideful. And and it's actually really been coming out of me and asking the Lord, like, Lord, I want to be humble. Please make me humble before man, humble before you. And uh, I want to be strong. And what I love is I'm not just looking for strength. I'm looking for meekness when I am strong. I don't want to just, I want to be, I want to have that humble strength something Travis always said and it's always like bless me is when you're strong you just get to serve more that's what you just get to serve more when you're strong how awesome is that um couldn't find the picture without the watermark. But this picture ministers me. Don't think, I don't think sin is heinous. Like I told you all, I have deep sorrow. But I also see joyful Jesus. Stoked. Brittany said this the other day, so we got this little garden in the backyard, this little raised bed, and we got some sort of heavenly cucumber plant, because this thing is popping out like two a day, and it's tripping me out, like literally two cucumbers, I'm just like, every time I go, I'm like, dude, this is crazy, we have done something right, soil type, something is the perfect matchup right here, and I'm pretty excited because we've got tomatoes coming now. I'm waiting for these melons, and I'm pretty excited about this fruit. So, like, I got to walk across the backyard to get to it. And I do get pretty jazzed about, like, what I'm about to find. And Brittany's like, you know, that's what I feel like the Father's jazzed about, the fruit that we bear. And, like, I want Jesus, like, I want him, like, coming to my garden like that so bad, I don't know if he will I'm proud, just please Lord like so I don't know um, really uh, just want more unity with us too and like us to be not weary but strong, strong men and women of the world and if anything I can do to stir up like passion for Jesus, like that's what I want to do, man. Within myself and within others. All right, I'm gonna pray. Megan, are you gonna play some more music? How about you go ahead now and put a little music on the background? Go ahead and start. I trust you.